I thought for sure he was going to cry. He was so frustrated. I asked him, well, why do you want to meet? And he pounded his desk like this and he yelled at me, what the bloody hell is the CX science thing really? And more importantly, what's the point? Welcome to our first ever Talking CX podcast, where our motto is do CX right and do it right now. We're your co-hosts. I'm Robin Miller. And I'm Graham Clark. And you just heard Graham in the cold open telling a story that we'll get to in a little later in this podcast. It's all about CX science, which by an amazing coincidence is our topic today. What exactly is it? And why should that even matter to organizations trying to deliver a great customer experience? We'll start with a little bit of first podcast housekeeping. Who are we and why are we doing this? I've worked on software and business transformation projects for a number of years. And to me, the most important aspect of those projects has always been how well we're delighting the customer. And I'm especially interested in what goes right when a customer is really happy. And I plan to focus on questions to highlight that and hopefully provide all of you listening with insights that you will find helpful. And one reason I am so excited to be here is that our goal is to create a CX discussion platform that has room for all of you to participate. Shocking, isn't it, for a CX podcast all about the customer, you? Yeah, that's why it's called Talking CX, too. So we're still finding our way on all that can mean, what that's going to look like, how it's going to work. But for now, you can reach us through email, leave us a voicemail, contact us through our social media. All that information, links, and all of that is in the show notes on our podcast page. Graham? So I founded Customer Results 10 years ago to help folks deliver improved customer-centric business results. And for that 10 years, we've been laser-focused on delivering great digital-first, but not digital-only multi-channel experiences. And I've been in the business world since 1985 as an IT person in marketing, sales, and service organizations, as a consultant, as a tech solutions guy, and an executive buyer across all types of organizations in the United States, in Europe, and in Asia. And I'm completely passionate and completely committed about the idea of CX as a science and excited about discussing it here on the podcast with our listeners. So the first thing that I would like to get to, Graham, I often hear the terms customer experience and CX used interchangeably, but they're not really the same thing, are they? So it's a really great question. There's a lot of confusion in the market in general. You know, we refer to customer experiences as the experiences that customers gain from organizations, businesses, governments, whoever delivers those experiences to them. And in fact, it's their perception of the experience, not the experience that's delivered. And then we have the discipline of CX, sometimes called CX management or CXM. And that's the tools, the techniques, the approaches that are used to deliver those phenomenal customer experiences. So it's really useful to understand that there are two different things because they get really confused and they're getting more and more confused every day as more folks jump into this thing we call CX. And how is CX science different from the discipline of CX? 
because those two terms also sound really similar. Yeah, I can understand that. By CX science, we mean a way of applying a set of prescribed proven CX techniques in a way that's reliable, predictable, measurable, and most importantly, investable. And that's different to the way CX has been done for the past 17 years or so, which is more of an art where techniques like journey mapping, personas, net promoter scores, customer effort scores, strange mystical words used by mystical consultants and CX folks have really practiced it as a true art. But times are changing and we have to change with them. If we don't change to a scientific, proven, data-driven approach, CX will be doomed as a discipline. It'll be doomed. That's an ominous way to start things off, you know. I'll come back to why you're convinced of that. But first, to recap your definitions, let's see if I've got this from a very high-flying bird's-eye view. Customer experiences are the interactions between customers and organizations across every channel that they interact on. And I would also add that customer experience is also about the perception that the customer has of the organization that they're dealing with. CX is the set of tools and techniques used to deliver those experiences. And CX science is a specific way of looking at those tools and techniques to deliver those experiences effectively. You got it. You're an official CX expert, but one small change, CX science is how you actually apply the standard CX tools and techniques to ensure you deliver business value. But so what though? Thank you for those descriptions because those are good. But what I mean is that I'm guessing this is of interest to CX professionals and- CX SWAT teams? CX SWAT teams. Uh, What are those? It's a term we use to try to describe CX practitioners today, or more importantly, tomorrow. So CX specialists with advanced tools, CX SWAT. And it's because we see this putting the customer at the heart of business as a revolution. SWAT teams and revolutions plus CX is doomed. I'm wondering whether CX professionals agree with or are aware that according to you, they've all joined an army of some kind, or possibly a revolution. But anyway, so far to me, CX science sounds rather academic, rather inside baseball, and, well, rather complicated. CX professionals might find this useful if they're properly outfitted with the latest SWAT gear, but... (laughs) Why would organizations or their customers care about this? Can you help me understand why it actually matters? Oh, there's no question. It's a wide and deep discussion. CX science has its own framework. And as you mentioned, will it be exploring what it all means in future podcasts? But to answer that important question of why does it really matter, I think it all starts with the customer power that's been given as a result of the many changes in technology and the changing customer expectations that have come with that over the last 30 years or so. What type of changes do you mean? I mean, so let's look at a fairly recent example, that little thing between 2008 and 2011, you know, the global recession. I lived it, you lived it. We saw businesses rush to the proverbial fallout shelter, to the bunker to stay alive when they thought was initially going to be a six-month recession, became pretty clear it was going to be much, much longer. And by 2011 or 2012, they came staggering out into the sunshine and were like, oh my gosh, 
you know, we're still here, you know, let's get our hands around what's going on. And what was going on was that while they were in hiding, or at least fighting to survive, Apple had given everyone a phone in their pocket, the iPad had been launched, which really kind of brought tablets to the modern age. Social media became popularized, technologies that had emerged in the early 2000s before the recession, like chat, became popularized, and people were using video on the computer and starting to use video on the phone. And of course, you know, e-commerce and the internet had really, really, really arrived. Did we mention Amazon? So a whole bunch of consumer technologies got picked up by consumers while businesses were in hiding and businesses have never really caught up with that level of customer empowerment. And when you look at the technical revolutions that are coming in the next 10 to 20 years, you know, like artificial intelligence and machine learning and the whole virtual reality thing, you know, we can pretty much guarantee the disruption is going to continue to accelerate and companies are going to have to find a way to continue to respond or plan to get run over in the process. Okay, so we've got CX is doomed, CX SWAT teams, companies are going to get run over. I'm kind of keeping track of all of the <laughs> of the war phrases here. But um, CX, how has how, how have the tools and techniques been evolving to help organizations then? Have they actually been changing over the years? Yeah, yeah. And I, I personally would argue that not enough has changed yet, but it will. Um, you know, there's been way, way too much CX selling and not nearly enough CX doing, as a friend of mine says. Um, and as I said before, you know, from 2001 to 2016, CX was very much practiced as an art, you know, group of techniques, tricks or magical spells practiced by mystical people, usually expensive mystical people who came in and they, you know, they did some journey maps for you or they helped you do some journey maps or, you know, started you on a metrics program and they produced you know, beautiful stuff. And it was just really great. Until all of those magicians left and then no one knew what to do with what they'd done. Exactly. So it was sold as an art for 15 years or so. And then, and then we started to hear all the questions about, you know, how is this actually relevant to our bottom line as businesses? Okay. So kind of to just summarize, lots of technology changes, customer expectations increasing, the current CX approach has been sort of stagnant. And by the way, I want to make sure that we keep our listeners looped in here. So this is the CX world. Graham is as you are describing it, but I'd like to know what everyone out there listening, what you all think. And by you, I mean CX professionals or SWATs, teams, as if that's how you think of yourselves, people in organizations at all levels who have been struggling with customer experience issues, and anyone who as a customer yourself has been impacted by organizations not getting it. Be sure and let us know what you think about these concepts. And I think we're headed in the why is CX science important direction. I'd love for you, Graham, to kind of maybe provide an example where this art to science scenario actually plays out. And I'd also like to know, were you ever one of those mystical, magical magicians waving journey mat wands? Well, on the magician thing, to quote Harry Potter, ridiculous, which he uses to transform nasty boggarts from something scary into something silly. Not that I'm calling you a boggart. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> get me into all kinds of trouble. So uh, so back to your original question. So there's this organization um, that I've known for a long time that's really followed this 
this CX evolution or revolution. I won't give you their name because my attorneys aren't that good, but they're a travel tourism organization with a significant hospitality piece to their business. And when you say working with, was there someone or a group of someones that had caught a vision for customer experience for their company? Yeah, well, it started with this guy, Fred. Um, he was trying to get his organization to think cross-organizationally and from the customer point of view, what we would call outside in today, based on this new customer powers. This was way back in 2012, and they really started to kind of read about this CX movement, actually about techniques, because there really wasn't a CX movement, and journey mapping and some other things were getting some press and they'd done a lot of work and spent a lot of money in their digital experience strategy for a good 12, 13 years. And they, they really recognized they needed to get beyond digital. So they, they were trying to get into this CX thing. Fred sounds like he is a true CX champion. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, more, more truthfully, he got into it because one of his people was obsessive about customer first and had been bugging him about it and wouldn't let up. But he was the guy who really worked hard to identify some important opportunities inside the company, you know, identify and overcome obstacles and, and really socialize the point around what CX techniques were for, what a journey map was, what's a persona versus a segment. What type of expectations did Fred have? Where did he expect this journey to end up when he started it? And did other people in his organization have the same set of expectations? Well, when I first talked to him, I that was back in 2012, he literally said, I need something different. I need something different because times are different. That was his his first phrase. And so, you know, we used journey maps because they were different. We used what we would now call outside-in thinking or what we called customer thinking because it was different. And that was to explore what customers wanted kind of before, during, and after their digital experience, which is something that had really tripped them up as an organization. And then, you know, we went through that for a while. And then he introduced me and our team to the operations executive who really wanted more data, right? It's operations person about what their customers were doing and even, Lord forbid, feeling which doesn't come from any operations executives, but it was pretty stunning. And so we helped them put a net promoter score in place. And did this take as long as they expected or longer? And, and did they get the results they were looking for? Somewhat. I mean, it took three years in total, but by year three, they had a team of about half a dozen people really specialized in CX techniques, running around the organization like, like crazy things, acting as CX strategists and analysts and doing, you know, all kinds of things and all kinds of projects. You know, they built journey maps of various types of guests across finding, booking, arriving, staying, after stay, and uh, and in response to kind of a new business opportunities mandate from the CEO, we helped them build a customer segment model with personas and journeys around attracting what they saw as a, a growing cadre of Indian IT professionals in the North American market, which is was really, really fascinating and very different for them um, in terms of how they thought about their particular guests. And then, as I said, you know, we helped them put an MPS system in place, and they were really proud of that when they launched it. They uh, went and spoke at a bunch of conferences and told everybody what a fantastic thing it was. So it was, it was great stuff. Well, a happy ending. It sounds, though, like what you're describing is CX done in a large part as art or the way that it's been done for a while. And even so, sounds like a very happy ending. 
Mm, yeah, well, by 2016, one day I, I'd been calling into some folks and, and couldn't get hold of some people, and I was told that they'd abandoned the whole thing, right? Just shocked the team that were in that role. You know, some of them got moved, some of them left the organization, and, and some of them were even forced out. Oh, so not such a happy ending after all. Yeah. So kind of, yes, kind of, no. I mean, the reality is so 2016, they kind of abandoned it. And then a while after that, you know, I get a call from my friend Fred and he's basically emotional on the other end of the phone. And I'm <laughs> thinking, oh my God, he got fired. And uh, he was so frustrated. And I asked him when he wanted to meet. And that's the comment at the beginning of this podcast, right? He literally yelled into the phone at me about, you know, what the bloody hell is this CX science thing? And he'd been reading some blogs that I put out. And so after he calmed down, he you know, started to regale a bunch of concerns that were coming from the C-suite. They had new people and they'd been asking a lot of questions and they'd been looking at the old work that had been done, the beautiful journey maps. And they'd really been saying, well, well this stuff, you know, everybody's talking about this CX stuff. You know, we got this stuff. How do we use them? What do we do with these metrics that we've got? Customers are happy, but, you know, the business isn't making any more money. And so there was a lot of interest in this CX thing but they really wanted to know how to deliver value with it and how to deliver benefit and how to deliver profit. And it was something that, you know, he didn't really feel like he could answer. And so we chatted for a while and kind of asked him about what had happened a couple of years before and what they'd been doing. And it really turned out they'd had a classic organizational problem, which always constant competition for attention and money and resources. And so basically what happened is, is there were other sparkly things as Fred referred to them that came along while they were busy doing all their CX journey mapping and had gotten their senior executives' attention, specifically some of the tech innovations like artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence and chatbots and environmentally enabling their hotels with IoT sensors, you know, and lots of other really exciting things. So when you and Fred had this conversation, what was it that you advised him to do differently this time than what had happened last time? Well, number one, he wanted something different. So that's always incredibly powerful. And so, you know, I'd been working around this idea of CX science, which is the same common previously used CX techniques, journey mapping, personas, segments, experience design, you know, CX metrics, but but applying those in a disciplined and predictable fashion, which starts with the business case and really constantly keeps a laser focus on what are you doing for the business and, and how do these CX techniques really deliver business value and do it in a way that's repeatable so that people can actually have some kind of confidence when they embark on these that what they get is actually going to deliver real value. Did he take your advice? Well, yeah, actually, you know, he's kind of a pioneer before, so it's really part of his personality. And I understand that, you know, they had to wait for a change in leadership the second time around. But when he called me in 2018, they really had a chance to do this the right way, following a more CX science approach. And so you might ask what that really means. So the first time, you know, they did journey maps, but they didn't land those journey maps or connect them to the business operating model, the people, the processes, the channels, the technologies, the partners, the products and services that really underpin those experiences or even the instrumentation of those interaction points to deliver metrics. And talking about metrics, 
you know, they'd focused on Net Promoter Score, which is a phenomenal executive attention getting tool, but really doesn't do anything for you when it comes to actual operating improvement. So they identified a set of operating metrics and behavior metrics that actually tightly aligned with their rising digital metrics and allowed them to continuously prove they were doing the right thing and delivering value at every step of the way. And then the third thing, they also implemented a pretty rigorous communication plan, which basically they communicated every single milestone to a broad set of stakeholders, um, exactly what they were doing, how it was going to deliver on the original business case, and then had a big communication at the end when they actually over-delivered on the promises they'd made to the organization. So that's really, you know, CX science, not a different set of techniques, just a much more rigorous, repeatable, manageable, improvable, and investable way of applying the techniques we've been using for years. So in summary, this is, I suppose, what you would call a cautionary tale about the importance of doing CX more as a science than an art, a framework that includes strategy, the voice of the customer, people, processes, and technologies, and all of that together enables you to then tie CX to business value and understand its impact across all parts of the organization. Perfect. Yeah, you got it. And as CX professionals, we have the attention now of the C-suites across all industries, which means that finally, you know, if you're one of us, you're getting money, you're getting resources, but as always, there's some good and bad news. Good news is, you know, we love you. We want you to work for us. We want you to do work for us. We're going to give you a budget to work off. We're going to give you resources. But the other side of that is the senior executives expect results and not just random results, but predictable, measurable results. But fortunately, we've seen in the last couple of years, last two or three years, a really strong pivot to this idea of CX as a reliable, predictable, measurable, and most importantly, uh, investable discipline that you can apply these particular techniques and you're pretty much guaranteed results, you know, CX as a science. Well, I'd like to hear from all of the CX professionals out there. What is your take on this? Do you agree with what Graham has been alluding to this whole time that CX is doomed if it doesn't go in this CX as science direction? And for people and organizations that have been or are getting ready to embark on your own CX journey, is this a familiar or a new concept from your perspective? And do you feel like it would make a difference one way or the other to you? Yeah, and I'd love to hear your opinions as well, because this, this thing we're talking about, customer experience and the CX discipline and CX as a science is one of the last things an organization can actually control to underpin their own success. You know, you, you got to get there by doing better every day. And our mission at Customer Results is to help, you know, regular folks do this and do it well in a way that you can deliver on your own CX revolutionary success. Well, Graham, I'd like to really thank you for a great conversation and for helping to get this podcast together. And also thank you to everyone listening. We really appreciate that. So, um, yeah, so, so how often are we going to do this, Robin? Well, my goal is for us to put out a podcast at least once a month. Maybe we can get some other content out a little sooner. But for now, we're planning on about the first week of every month. And if you're listening and want to keep connected, you can subscribe through our podcast page, through iTunes, Spotify, and many more favorite podcast places. 
We sure appreciate any likes that you'd like to give, and we're looking forward to seeing and hearing your comments and possibly sharing them. Just drop us a line, a voicemail, or connect on our social media. In the meantime, until we talk together again, remember, do CX right. Do it right now. Thanks, and see you next time. Great. Thanks, Robin. Viva la CX revolution. 